When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast comes from Is Business Broken, a podcast from BU Questrom School of Business. Today's business leaders are saying that sustainability and diversity metrics are key to the way they do business. But what does that look like in practice? Stick around until the end of this episode to hear more. Produced by the iLab at WBUR Boston. I am a 34-year-old Caucasian female. I grew up in a rural town in the Pacific Northwest. Um, At a very young age, I did decide that I did not want to have children. Hi, my name is Sama. I'm from Kenya. And uh, I'm child-free, which is very odd for the society that I've grown up in. Since I was 18, I've been trying to have my tubes tied to no avail. Society will always judge you anyway. Just do whatever you want. That's what I I say anyway. Watching all of my friends have children now, I can see how exhausted they are financially, emotionally, how depleted their relationships are because it's so difficult for them to be able to be a part of a partnership as well as try to raise these tiny humans. My name is Aaron, I'm from Austin. I'm 33, single, and I work in tech. My favorite never have I ever answer is I've never changed a diaper and I plan on keeping it that way. My name is Ben. I live in Massachusetts. I'm pretty old, but I look amazing. (laughs) I am married and I have twins who are two and a half years old. My favorite never have I ever answer is that I never have calculated the number of diapers I've changed. And I planned on keeping it that way up until this episode, but I couldn't resist. I've changed Amory, I believe, in the ballpark of three to four thousand diapers. Okay, my name is Amory. I'm not as old as Ben. (laughs) I also live in Massachusetts. I have changed some diapers like anyone else who grew up babysitting. But I honestly don't know if there are more in my future. Because I don't know for sure if kids are in my future. I might end up child-free. Amory, do you remember when we first started talking about making an episode that involved the child-free community on Reddit? Yeah, and I specifically remember seeing that community for the first time Mm. because it felt like I had entered another dimension or like I was walking into a speakeasy where people were doing things and talking about things that that I didn't think you could talk about. But you know I I showed it to you, right? You remember that part of it? Yes, I remember. (laughs) And I'm the dad. Yeah. So, you know, I just want to say that. Well, if you are a Redditor, whether you have kids now or not, you may have stumbled upon the child-free community yourself because it's been exploding on Reddit. 
In just the last year or so, the group has doubled in size, from 300,000 members to more than 700,000. There are a few reasons for this. People who might have considered having kids in the past are looking at climate change and thinking they don't want to subject their kids to environmental destruction or take part in environmental destruction by having kids. The UN warns we only have until 2030 to keep global warming below a point where entire ecosystems will be lost. Also, money. Some estimates put the cost of having and raising a kid in middle-class America at a quarter of a million dollars without money for college. When adjusted for inflation, the cost of raising a child born in 2012 is 23% higher than for a child born in 1960. The fastest. But there's also this kind of long arc of history thing happening, too, where women in particular have more and more freedom and interest in pursuing things other than bearing and raising children. And there's an awakening happening about the culture of pressure around having kids in our society. And Child Free is part of that awakening. I want to say I think we're a pretty good duo to tackle this one, Amory, because I'm sympathetic to people who don't want kids and I respect their point of view, but I'm also a dad who's maybe a little skeptical of some parts of the Child Free thing. And you are a fence-sitter. Another piece of lingo around Child Free, a person who is on the fence about having kids. But yeah, I think we got this. We got this. Today's episode... Free to be child-free. I'm Ben Brock Johnson. I'm Amory Sievertson, and you're listening to Endless Thread. The show featuring stories found in the vast ecosystem of online communities called Reddit. We're coming to you from WBUR, Boston's NPR station. We tapped into our own childlike energy when we greeted Amy. Amy. Yes. It's Benny. Ben, it's <laughs> ben, ben Johnson and Amory. Amory, hi. How are Hello. you? Hello. I'm well. How are you guys? Pretty good. good. Amy was well, but hungry. I'm sorry you haven't had lunch yet. That sounds rough. Oh, yeah. th- no, that's okay. Maybe if, maybe if you had progeny, they would have served you some lunch by now. Right? I know. <laughs> One of many reasons I made such a huge mistake. Amy Blackstone is a sociology professor at the University of Maine. And she's child-free. But that's not how she thought things would turn out. If you asked me, I had a plan. When I was 10 or 11, I knew that I was going to start having children when I was 20. I would have two kids, a boy and a girl, and I would be the cool mom who picked my kids up at school and, you know, showed up with Capri Suns and in my leg warmers and miniskirt. This was the 80s. So uh, I had this real vision. Fast forward a decade and a half from the kids' drink era of Capri Sun to the 1990s, a.k.a. the brief but glorious rule of the drink Sunny Delight, Amy had married her high school sweetheart. She had a Ph.D., a fulfilling career, and no children. Yet? By the time I hit my mid-30s and was still answering with the, I'm too young, I'm not interested yet, maybe later, I realized maybe something else is going on. <laughs> um, maybe I don't want to have kids. And and um, that was the point at which I really started thinking more deeply about parenthood as a choice. So Amy did what you might expect a doctor of sociology to do. She started looking into the topic. I went to find research to sort of answer that question of, <laughs> of what's wrong with me, why am I not feeling that maternal instinct? And I discovered 
There was less sociological work on the the experience of being child-free and on the process by which people make this decision uh, than I expected to find. Amy started doing her own research, and she and her husband Lance started a blog called We're Not Having a Baby. They share research, rants, memes, and stories, including the one about how they, quote, came out as child-free to Amy's family. A lot of child-free people use that expression, by the way. Amy says it's not intended to take away from the LGBTQ experience of coming out. It's meant to draw parallels between the ways in which people push back against what mainstream society sees as normal and natural and appropriate. For Amy, her coming out took even her by surprise. Lance and I were happened to be hosting my nephew's first year birthday. And at his birthday party, my sister asked, so when are you and Lance going to give Josh a cousin? And like, I just had this very visceral reaction to that question. And, you know, had been thinking for a while at this point that I didn't want to be a mother um, and felt uncomfortable in that place. And so when my sister asked this question, I just blurted out, never. And (laughs) the whole room just sort of went silent. Amy says this was a really uncomfortable moment. And it felt like an outsized reaction. But it felt right. So it was freeing to declare loudly that she really was not going to have kids. Amy declared her decision even louder this year when she published a book on the topic. It's called Child Free by Choice. And probably the first step in understanding what it means to be child-free is understanding what the term child-free means. I chose to use that term. Um, And, you know, the other term that people talk about is childless or voluntarily childless. And for many child-free people, the term childless doesn't accurately or adequately represent their experience. It's putting the emphasis on a thing that we don't have because we've chosen not to have it. Yeah, it suggests Um, incomplete. Right, right. Opting out of having kids isn't new, but the concept of it being a movement or a political choice, child-free, voluntarily childless, whatever you call it, it seems to be growing. And the conversation about it in more recent years can probably be traced back to a couple of movements in the 1960s and 1970s. First up, the second wave feminist movement, which is connected to the FDA approving the birth control pill in 1960, also Roe v. Wade, which came 13 years later, legalizing abortion. These two landmark events gave people more control than ever before in their decisions about parenthood. We're all better off when women have equal access to health care, to the workplace, um, to education, uh, when they're able to control and make their own decisions about their reproductive lives and their bodies. Next up, something called the Zero Population Growth Movement, focusing on, you guessed it, our expanding population post-baby boom. And then the Zero Population Growth Movement really raised our awareness about humans' impact on the environment, particularly in uh, Western nations with, you know, different consumption patterns than other nations around the world. According to Pew Research data from 2015, about 15 percent of women in the U.S. reach their 40th birthday without having given birth. But Amy is quick to point out that the data is far from perfect. 
a woman who doesn't have a child is not necessarily a child-free woman. I mean, we know what proportion of women end their lives without ever having children, but we we don't have good data on why. What right exactly among those women? Which of them is childless? Which of them? wanted to become parents but didn't or couldn't for any number of reasons, and which of them is child-free. What demographers do know is that we're in an extended era of declining fertility rates in this country, which is strange because there are more women of childbearing age these days than there were a decade ago. But we don't know how many of the people opting out or delaying parenthood are doing so because they're choosing to be part of this child-free movement. And so we don't know how big the movement is. While you can't currently measure the growth of the entire child-free movement, you can measure it on Reddit, where there is a child-free community that recently has been going gangbusters. Currently, we're growing at uh, more than 1,200 subscribers per day. You heard that right. And you heard it from Chris. I'm a 35-year-old German guy, and I'm currently in Suzhou, China. And um, I'm actually one of the moderators of the Child Free um, Forum. These days, Chris lives in China. But before that, he lived in Kenya, Madagascar, Nigeria, Tanzania, Liberia, Norway, Luxembourg. All right, we get it. He's well-traveled. Guy makes Jason Bourne look like a homebody. Chris has worked in banking, tourism, transportation, medical device technology. All right, we get it. He's also a Swiss Army man. And Chris says his career-hopping, globe-trotting lifestyle has become a bit of a joke between him and the friends of his who have kids. When they see me posting on Facebook and Instagram, I'm now in Thailand, I'm in Vietnam, I'm doing a coffee roasting workshop in Bali and stuff like that. (laughs) And they're like, yeah, and I'm just taking the little one to the park and here I am with the little one going um, to the doctor, to the dentist and whatsoever. Chris says there's always a boom in growth of the subreddit this time of year. Probably because the holidays mean family gatherings. And family gatherings mean an onslaught of unsolicited comments, questions, and opinions about your life choices. Things like... What? You don't like kids? Well, it's different when it's your own, you know. Don't you want to give your parents grandchildren? But who will take care of you when you're old? You're young. You'll change your mind. But you two would make such cute kids together. And how about this one? Straight from the Pope. Non avere figli. Translation, not having children is a selfish choice. The child-free have a term for these kinds of statements. Bingos. Yeah, well, a bingo is basically coming from the old bingo game, where basically that you have a, um, a square piece of paper and you have a couple of common expressions that, um, that you're going to see or that you're going to hear over your lifetime. Um, simply meaning you hear it so many times that um, you're bound to have five in a row someday and then you're going to win a prize. Bingo. 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 There's no actual prize in the child-free subreddit. Womp womp. But there's a wealth of information, reading materials, FAQs, best of discussion threads, and a compilation of comebacks to all those bingos. In response to the whole, you're too young to know for sure argument, One comeback reads, I'm too young to decide I don't want children, but somehow I'm not too young to decide I do want children. To Pope Francis's selfish argument, take your pick. Like, 
I'm selfish for not wanting to bring an unwanted child into this world? Or how am I selfish for putting my own happiness over a non-existent being? A place for people to post arguments and snarky comebacks might sound unproductive. Then again, there are four babies born every second. So people in the child-free community feel like it's a refuge for a minority that faces intense cultural pressure. Even with 700,000 subscribers that we are just about approaching, um, compared to um, 7 billion people in the world, that's still next to nothing. And um, that means if you want to get any kind of support from like-minded people, um, then the internet is the best place to find such a support community. This is really interesting to me because, Amory, I've mentioned this quote from author William Gibson that gets repeated all the time in the tech and sci-fi world, which is, the future is here, it's just not evenly distributed. Yeah, you've mentioned that a lot. (laughs) So I think that in a similar way, the child-free conversation is here, it's just not evenly distributed. And what I mean by that is how and whether people are having this conversation and their ability to have it depends a lot on where you are in the world and what kind of community you're living in. This is especially true when you live in a place where being child-free isn't just atypical. It's practically unheard of. We don't get it. How can you, a woman, a Kenyan woman, not want to have children? That's crazy. This is Summer, a.k.a. Honest Summer on Reddit, who you heard from at the top of the show, a 27-year-old woman who sent us a voice memo from Nairobi, Kenya. Something I'm joking, you know? I think, oh, you're just saying that because right now you're, you're too busy, you're a career woman, you know. Oh, that is so feminist. You know, feminist is still used as, a, as an insult, which I find insulting. Summer has been pretty career-focused. She recently got her law degree. But she says one of the main reasons she doesn't want children is because of recent bouts with severe depression. My mental health is so important to me after almost losing my life by my own hands. So ultimately I realized that, you know, kids who depend on you for every waking moment of their lives for at least 18 years, I couldn't do it. The realization that you don't have to become a parent has been liberating for Summer. She always thought she would just end up a mother, that she'd follow the so-called life script that is more or less expected. Go to school, get a job, get married, have kids, die. Some people in the child-free community rip up that life script a lot sooner than others. There's never been uh, a bone in my body that said, hey, I see myself in the future with two kids, a wife, and a picket fence. This is Wikifido on Reddit. You can call him Jason. Just don't expect him to show up to your kid's birthday party. Through the course of my life, I've, I've avoided situations with lots of kids holding babies. Um, just anything that had a overtly nurturing towards a child human being. I've, I've just never felt that compulsion. It's not just human babies Jason is talking about. When he was in middle school, he was assigned to take care of one of those robot babies. You know, the thing they give you in health class that show you how much work babies are just to scare you out of having sex. Ben, did you ever have to take care of one of those? 
I did not, and it shows. <laughs> well, Jason did not want to take care of this robot baby, and he was pretty tech-savvy, so... Being the curious individual that I am, I said, oh, hey, I'm going to go ahead and see how this thing works. And um, I used a screwdriver, took it apart, and uh, found that it had an SD card in it. And then when I put the SD card into the computer, I found out how the uh, how it was t- keeping score of you keeping track of, uh, you know, what you were doing to the baby, positive, negative, or otherwise. Um, figured out how the scoring worked, gave myself a B+. You hot-wired the baby. Yes, I did. If you are literally hacking your way out of simulated parenthood, yeah, maybe you shouldn't opt into the real thing. But around the same time Jason was using his tech skills for a homework kludge, something else was going on. Something that he thinks has shaped his view of kids in general. I did end up in the emergency room twice as a as a victim of bullying, you know, so I think to some extent that as far as nurture goes in, in cooking my brain in such a way that has me with very negative view of children and, and, and things like that, that may be a contributing factor, certainly. Now, not all kids become bullies, obviously, and not all kids become victims of bullying, but there's an uncertainty and a lack of control in becoming a parent that makes Jason and maybe other child-free people uncomfortable. Will the child have medical issues on their birth? Will they, you know, um, be a certain way through throughout their middle and high school years? Uh, you don't know. You can't plan around that. It, it makes you very anxious and uncomfortable. I totally get this perspective, by the way. When you become a parent, you definitely lose some of your sovereignty as an individual person. But you also have to accept this whole new set of realities that are outside of your control, which can be stressful to even imagine. And for someone like Jason, the answer is simple. Avoid that anxiety by just not having kids. Avoiding having kids, less simple. We'll get to that in a minute. Support for this podcast comes from Is Business Broken, a podcast from BU Questrom School of Business. In a recent episode, series CEO Mindy Luber says sustainability has reached a board level. Look, if you're an agricultural company and you're not thinking about water risk, you're an apparel company, you're not thinking about risk to your cotton crop around the world. If you are a bank and not thinking about stranded assets of fossil fuels, you're not probably doing your due diligence. Stick around until the end of this podcast for a preview of the episode. A lot of people spend a lot of money on things like skincare, fast fashion, and even surgery, all in the name of self-improvement. But as the price of perfection rises, when is it time to call it quits? I'm Rima Khreis, host of This Is Uncomfortable, a podcast from Marketplace. This season, we dig deep into the financial trappings of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts. So we're talking about the decision to have kids. Specifically, the decision to not have kids, to be child-free, which is something I'm thinking about. As of right now, I'm a fence sitter. 
which has its own community on Reddit, by the way. People sharing their fears and frustrations and asking a lot of questions. A really common question. My partner wants kids, but I'm on the fence. Is that a deal breaker? I married my first husband under the impression that he was fully aware because of conversations we had that I was not interested in having any children. And we subsequently divorced because he let me know that he had always wanted to have children and thought that he would be able to change my mind. This is Lavina Howard, who we heard from earlier. She's clearly not a fence-sitter, so yeah, the decision over kids can be a deal-breaker. But the reality is, the decision about having kids isn't always a conscious decision. Case in point, Ben Brock Johnson, I was not planned. I was a special surprise snowflake. And you still are. But according to recent data, about 45% of children currently being born in the U.S. are unplanned for a variety of reasons. To someone like Jason, the Redditor who hotwires mechanical babies and avoids real ones at all costs, this statistic is unsettling. Um, well, I'm doing my damnedest to, to attempt to get a uh, vasectomy. Mm-hmm. Doing your damnedest but not succeeding at the moment? No. Um, most doctors will, since, it's, since it is an elective procedure, um, most, you know, kick it down the line or some outright just say, no, you're too young. Jason has seen five doctors about this so far with no luck. And it's a common experience, even more common for women, to have a medical professional look askance at a permanent or even not permanent surgery. Which is messed up because once you have kids, you go in there and they're like, yep, no yep, problem. Snip, snip. <laughs> <laughs> and this is also why there is a list on the subreddit of the child-free friendly doctors by state and even by country. Also a how-to-get-sterilized guide with a ton of information about the different sterilization options, including one that I confess I didn't even know about, and neither did the Redditor Subtlety87. I discovered bilateral self-injectomy through the Reddit Child Free Board, and as soon as I read about it, I was like, oh, that. That's what I want. <laughs> bilateral salpingectomy, a removal of the fallopian tubes. Not to be confused with tubal ligation, having your tubes tied. Subtlety is only a couple years older than Jason, but she was able to find a doctor who would sterilize her, in part because she's had bad reactions to several other types of birth control. But she was told she'd have to wait one month to get the surgery, a mandated waiting period in the socially conservative state where she lives. She says it was worth the wait, especially because she has a demanding career in the performing arts. And she says she doesn't have room for kids. Could she make room? Sure. People who want kids make room. Different people want different things. Uh, I think there's this idea that there's a massive lack, you know, and I'm not looking to fill a void in my life. There's no void to begin with for me. And, you know, a lot of people say it's like, oh, there's nothing like the feeling of watching your kids playing and having your spouse right next to you. And I'm like, I also get similar feelings of contentment and joy and happiness, you know, in the little home and the little family that I have built. And I just, I think that to discount someone else's happiness is quite hurtful. And I think people often, they don't, they don't mean to do that, but it happens a lot. Discounting people's happiness goes both ways, though. And you definitely see some of this in the child-free community online. 
people asking how anyone could ever want children, calling misbehaving children crotch demons or screaming meat sirens. If you are a fence-sitter, some of the negativity you find in there towards children could drive you away. There's also a lot of judgment about what is and isn't good parenting, which an actual parent might find a little rich, Ben. I mean, I won't say I never judge other parents, but I also definitely think it's tough to judge parents if you've never been a parent. I think it's also really tricky to judge someone who's chosen not to be a parent about that choice, which is obviously a big part of what the child-free community is about. Yeah, for the most part, it's a safe space for people to navigate an uncommon and even unpopular life choice together without worrying about offending people in their lives who've made the opposite choice. Which brings us to Maxine Trump. No relation to, you know... I made a documentary called Trumps Against Trump, which um, is just a short little doc, all the Trumps that didn't vote for Trump. That's what Maxine does. She makes documentaries, sometimes about things that hit close to home, like her latest film, To Kid or Not To Kid. I always put off my decision to have children. Childless women can never be happy. The childless choice is a sort of cancer in our culture. We need to have higher birth rates in this country. The film follows Maxine to conferences, meetup groups, and into difficult conversations with her husband and her own mother as she tries to figure out whether or not she really is going to be child-free. Which, spoiler, she is. Maxine didn't know about the child-free subreddit when she started making her film back in 2013. She'd been feeling alone in her uncertainty. Even more so after one particular conversation with her best friend. Who happened to be a parent. You know, this world is really kind of reaching a point where how can we sustain the people that are already here with resources and food and energy and et cetera, et cetera. And I was saying, you know, people that have really large families, I said, I thought they were selfish. Now, that's not great language to begin a conversation, but she was my friend and I was trying to, you know, and I was saying, you know, I don't know whether I want kids. Like, if I don't want kids, I feel really really sure that I shouldn't have them because the world doesn't need any more kids. And she just took it the wrong way. And our relationship has has never been the same since. Maxine hasn't spoken to this friend in a decade, but she learned a lot from this conversation. And she wants others to as well, including me and Ben. Just as I was telling Maxine that I think my friends and colleagues will support me if I don't have children... I'm going to get Amory the best gift when she has kids. It's okay, so Maxine, he makes this joke all the time. Right. All ben, the time. that needs to stop. That, uh, <laughs> I mean, even the little subtle jokes all the time, it's a little pressure. Sorry, Ben. Well, that's that's kind of, of what course. I was. Well, we talk about that. That's, you know, yeah, we have we, talked about yeah, that, and, and that's kind of that's kind of where I was going with this is that you know it's not that I think I'm going to be disowned. It's it's like the little um, mm. disappointment, you know, knowing that certain people are taken more seriously because they're parents, right? But I do think there is a, there is potential for a greater awareness as as more and more people learn that it's okay to say you don't want children. <laughs> I totally agree. And for what it's worth, I will say fully on the record that I will love you, Amory, like equally either way if you Thank have you. kids or don't have kids. Thank you. And I think like you would be an incredible parent. 
So like that's I get where that a lot too though. And well, I and get but that that's a lot. the thing is like I think that's okay for me to feel that way. Like I don't think that there's anything wrong with like that being a place where I'm coming from. But as a friend who knows that Amory is exploring, you know, is is having this sort of she's on the spectrum of where what you know. F- flopping between either or um, and Amory obviously I don't know you very well but giving your friend the room by not sort of saying oh you'll be a good mum or you'll it's like a respect for where she is in her decision making just giving the room because we've been it's been an indoctrination and what you're doing by holding back Ben is allowing is not falling into the trap and I do say trap of of we are being told this is the next step for us all the time in society everywhere there's a term for this by the way it's called pronatalism encouragement to have children whether it's coming from your church or from your government like the Danes did a few years ago with their Do It for Denmark campaign, or directly from a friend. But it can also be our friends that help us push back against the pronatalist messaging that we're bombarded with. By you being a great friend and giving, holding back, you're saying, listen, I'm supporting you, subtly, by not saying you'll be a great mom or having the jokes. It's giving her that space to just kind of, while she's deliberating about what she wants to do, to make her not feel weird if she doesn't decide to have kids. Does that make sense? I, I think, like, it, it makes sense in some ways. But the other side of that, to me, is that, like, your friends are people who influence you. Your friends are people who, like, right, tell you what their perspective is. but see what you're is, saying, influence... Right? You're yeah. saying influence. Um, of course. But why do you want to influence her one way or the other? Don't you just want her to be happy? Oh, of course. But but my perspective <laughs> is a hundred percent that like if she like if she decides to have children, that she will be happy. And so like if she if she And makes if that she choice, decides <laughs> not to have children, she'll also, she'll also be, also happy. be happy. Totally. Right. But you may not be saying that as much as you're saying the other side of the equation. Okay, this is a good point. Although, in fairness to Ben, he does a pretty good job of painting a realistic portrait of parenthood for me on a regular basis. I get the cute pics and the tales of late-night tantrums. Definitely more tantrum stories, actually. Yeah, and this is the part where, personally, I think maybe Maxine's not really privy to the nature of our relationship and our conversations about this as friends. Like, from where I sit, a true friend is someone who will tell you or give you a sense when they have a different perspective, even if it's not super comfortable. Not to tell you you're wrong to not have kids, but to say, that's interesting, I look at it a different way, and here's how I look at it. So that in sharing your different perspectives, you both make more informed choices, whatever choices you make. That's fair, as long as you're not disappointed if my husband and I ignore your perspective entirely when we make our choice. Of course, I fully expect that. Um, (laughs) It's also really important to me to give space and only respond when your friend asks you for advice, right? And I think I'm pretty careful about that generally. Yeah, no, it's usually a reaction to something. Like you say how much it must suck to have kids, and I say... No, I have never done that. (laughs) I would never do that. Fair. 
but I make jokes about reveling in your adventures as a future parent, possibly when we're already talking about kids. But because we have the rapport that we do, I can just say, you know, yeah, yeah, and roll my eyes, and that's the end of it. But maybe I will start responding with a comment about how well-rested I am or how (laughs) not sticky my house is. So sticky. (laughs) And then I'll say, yeah, yeah, and roll my eyes at you. And I expect nothing less. Okay. So the bottom line is you can't really know what life would have been like with kids or without them if you're in the other position. Just like it's true that for me, there are things I know now as a parent that I didn't know even the day before my kids were born. And in the last few years, you might have learned a whole bunch of things that you didn't learn because you were busy parenting. Totally. Also, to be clear, we are co-workers as well as friends. And as a co-worker, I know that your choices about family are really none of my business. Also, it's important to know that for a woman, it's really different. Maxine made this point, too. And Ben, you get that. I do. Obviously, I grant on its face, absolutely, that this impacts women very differently than men. And that's, you know, we can start there. But the other thing I would say is that, like, I also think there's no question that for me throughout my life, you know, already in the two and a half years that I've been a parent and probably for the rest of my life, I will spend many, many days wondering what could have been. There's no question about that. So, mm-hmm. so to me, like that part of it is like, that's, that's kind of basic as well. And so I, you know, I'll just sort of put it bluntly for the sake of illustration. Like, I think it's possible that you, you've made a mistake that you don't know you've made. Oh, controversial, Ben. Controversial. I'm just putting it out there, right? <laughs> and, and like, I may, if I didn't have kids, I may have, I may have made a mistake that I didn't know I made. Right. Yeah, so you like, can throw that right back to him, Maxine. You know, thank you, can you say, Henry. Thank you. <laughs> you, you, Ben, may have made a mistake that that you don't know about yet. I mean, you know, I get a hints of it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I mean that. I don't mean that in a. I truly mean that in a like. A, I, I mean that in an empathetic way, not in like accusatory. I'm still trying to find the empathy. I'm trying to find the empathy in that statement. But, um, you know, I don't need to protest too much. Like, make the decision you want to make. Like, I, I don't care. I really don't care. I know what makes me happy. And that is going around the world, filming in an amazing places that I would never access otherwise. And that makes me so happy. And that's what we're talking about, really, is what makes you so happy. If you are pining desperately to have a child and you know that's your heart's desire, good for you. And have that child and love that child and feel a satisfaction that I feel in my life. It's kind of given me chills as I'm sitting here because this has been a really, really interesting conversation because we, in the many podcasts or interviews that I've done, we don't always drill down or have the time to get into the real psychology of it. So that's all I'm about. I'm just like, drill down, have the space, have the room to be able to really think about what makes you happy and find that source and go with it. Amory, since our interview with Maxine, I've been thinking a lot about this. And here's what I want to say. Okay. 
The clearest message I want to send to you as someone on the other side of this is that having a kid for me and for I think a lot of parents who live really full and happy lives, it wasn't an easy, clear decision. I think it's normal to question your choice to be a parent even after you are a parent. And I think we need to be real about that. Because while a lot of people really are positive about their feelings on this, the child-free community is totally right that there's a messed up part of our society that pretends it's not okay to not want kids or be unsure about this huge life choice. I was a fence sitter too, which I don't talk about that much. And even though my life changed and I opted into the life script we've been talking about, being a parent is still really scary. I'm not often sure I have what it takes. And even if I do, I'm afraid of what my kids will face on the playground and on the planet. But when I wake up and take my kids out of their beds, it's awesome. And, you know, my hope every day is that this is just part of my journey as a parent. It's the cost of my choice to feel this way. And at that level, I'm good with it. Because nine days out of ten, I get my mind blown by these little <laughs> maniacal people in my life. And you don't have to become a parent to get that full heart feeling, but I definitely get it from being a parent. So whatever you choose to do, Emery, I support you because you are great. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I've been thinking about why your jokes about me becoming a parent sometimes get under my skin. Yeah. Even though I know your intentions are nothing but good, and I know you don't get a vote in the matter, I think it's because even in jest, it reinforces this idea of the life script. You know, the idea that there's a path that I will inevitably follow or a path that people at least expect me to follow. Yeah, I get that. And the thing is, that is just not how my life has gone so far. Like, if I had done what people expected of me or even what I expected of me, I wouldn't have gone to school where I did. I wouldn't have married or probably even met my husband. And I just, I don't think I'd be making a podcast. I really don't. <laughs> as fun as it is. But I like making things up as I go along and allowing myself to be surprised at how happy I am with the choices I didn't think I'd make and how underwhelmed I am sometimes with the ones I did think I'd make. And the same really goes for kids. If I have them, it's going to be another thing that I did not see myself doing. And like you, Ben, I might love it. But if there's a big takeaway for me from working on this episode and having these conversations, it's a much-needed reminder that there is no such thing as a life script. So all I know is that whether my husband and I have kids or not, we're definitely getting a dog first. Oh my God, you and your husband will have such cute dogs together. <laughs> You're damn right we will. Endless Thread is a production of WBUR, Boston's NPR station, in partnership with Reddit. Josh Schwartz is our producer who also plans to do a coffee roasting workshop in Bali as long as the policy is no stupid questions. Iris Adler is our executive producer, and if she ever hears a bingo in the office, she's like, Hold my Cosmo. Mix and sound design by Paul Vikas, who thinks screaming meat sirens are just... Mm. 
forbidden snacks. Michael Pope is our advisor at Reddit. Kiyoma Toddler. More editing help from WBUR managing producer Kat Brewer. Extra production assistance from James Lindbergh. Our intern is Magdiela Mata. Maggie's fine. For reactions to this episode or ideas for future episodes, hit us up on Reddit. We are endless underscore thread. We also have an official subreddit now. You can find that and talk to us at endlessthread.reddit.com. My co-host and producer is Amory Sievertson. I'm senior producer and co-host Ben Brock Johnson. I'll let myself out. Support for this podcast comes from Is Business Broken, a podcast from BU Questrom School of Business. Listen on for a preview of one of the episodes featuring Mindy Luber, CEO of Ceres, a nonprofit dedicated to integrating sustainability into businesses. Here's host Kurt Nickish. Are the people who are working with ESG data now at companies, are they in a sustainability department? Does this just become part of general strategy or part of finance? How is that evolution happening with the actual people who are looking and working with the numbers? So with both companies and investors, the cute idea of social responsibility that was at a manager level or something their foundations dealt with, that's gone. It is very clear based on data, based on facts, based on trends, that integrating sustainability into the core business is crucial. I mean, you cannot have a climate goal that says we're going to get to a net zero by 2040 if every department at the enterprise is not working on that. That's your manufacturing people. It's your supply chain people. So we find that there is often a sustainability team, but they're laying out a plan that involves almost every enterprise, every office, every part of a firm. And that's what we're seeing because nobody can do the kind of cross-organizational work in one little group. It involves the entire team. It involves HR. Who are you hiring? Is DEI being implemented? How is that working? As it relates to where do you get your resources? Are there enough natural resources to make your product? What are the auto companies doing now that they've committed to by 2035, there will be no combustion engine vehicles coming off their assembly line for consumer vehicles. So sustainability is no longer acute, a niche, a part of something off to the side. It is an integral part of almost every major enterprise and every major investor. Find the full episode by searching for Is Business Broken wherever you listen to podcasts and learn more about the Marotra Institute for Business, Markets, and Society at ibms.bu.edu.